Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 186 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. So, uh, over the next two weeks, it's going to be a little different. Just to let you guys know, heads up, uh, this, this week, we're not going to do a Thursday show uh, because there's really nothing to preview. There's no fights this weekend, no big fights of note, so there's really no reason to do a preview show. I think it's probably because, one of the reasons, there's probably a few, but the biggest reason, this is week one of the NFL. And I don't think any of the big promoters want to go up against week one of the NFL. I think it starts Thursday night. I think they got two games Thursday night or something, and then it goes into the weekend, of course. And then you got Monday Night Football, the whole deal. So, like, the promoters don't want to screw with that. So there's no fights this weekend. So we're not going to do a Thursday preview show. We're just going to do one show tonight. Here on Monday, just like we used to old school. My question to you guys is this. And let me know. Let me know in the comment section for this video. Tweet me, whatever. For next week, there's going to be nothing to review, right? Because there's no fights this weekend. So there's nothing to review. So do we just do a Thursday night show next week? Like a Thursday night preview show? Or would you guys rather me go on Monday night, old school style, and just do which would basically be a preview show on Monday. So let me know next week. You want me to go on Monday or Thursday to do the preview show for the following weekend's fights. Because there's nothing going on this weekend. So let me know. But again, just programming reminder. We're only doing a show Monday this week. And it's not because I'm being lazy. There's literally nothing to preview this weekend. Also, your fee. Remember guys, I don't charge a monetary fee for this podcast. I just ask... You guys know I ask you every week, spread the word. If you get something out of this podcast, if you get something out of this show, tell one of your friends about it. Every single week, if you feel like I'm bringing you value, if you got something out of a show that maybe you didn't get before, maybe I uh, gave you a different perspective about a fight, a fighter, a situation, whatever, that you never had before, or if you were just entertained and enjoyed it, every episode, I ask you to bring the show to one friend per episode. But your specific homework for this week, your specific fee for this week is to wish Miss Tiffany Lamb a very happy birthday. My lovely lady Tiffany is turning, I ain't going to reveal her age. She's still very, very young. Uh, She's having a birthday (laughs) this Friday, September 6th. So make sure you guys give her a shout out. Those of you who follow her on Twitter or anything like that, give her a shout out. Her birthday is Friday. Make sure that you let her know, uh, you know, happy birthday wishes and all that good stuff. That is your fee for episode 186 of TNC. All right, let's let's uh, jump into some news and notes, and then we got a bunch of stuff to review. Nothing to preview, but uh, Pro Gray Taylor. I told you guys eventually that fight was going to happen, right? Now it's official. October 26th, O2 Arena. That is going to be lit as the kids say. That's going to be an amazing atmosphere. And not just for the main event. Check out this card, man. They got Chisora against Parker. Derek Chisora against Joseph Parker. That's a very solid heavyweight fight. Trust me. Both of those guys have done some good work in their recent fights. And that's good. do not sleep in that heavyweight fight. It's going to deliver. Also, a good domestic level uh, fight that's just a good style matchup. Lee Selby versus Ricky Burns. That's not what I would consider an elite top level fight, but that's going to be fun. 
domestically there in London, that's going to be a fun fight. This is going to be a loaded freaking card, man. Of course, it's on zone. Those of you who follow me on Twitter, you saw a tweet I put out. It was either yesterday, today, I can't tell. It all starts to blur together. But I just mentioned some of zone's fourth quarter schedule, the main highlights. It's loaded. If you do not have zone. October, November, December, at least this year. Most of you guys watching this, listening to my show, you're probably annual subscribers. But I'm saying if you're a month-to-month guy, dude, October, November, December is disgusting. That, that entire schedule is crazy. And in fact, they have some pretty good fights. Not this weekend, but next weekend. That's going to involve Devin Haney, one of the up-and-coming fighters in the sport, American fighters. Uh, one of the best American prospects, I should say. So, um, look, man, that's a loaded schedule. And I cannot wait for that October 26th card. That's going to be crazy. Speaking of the zone and their schedule, of course, we got the rematch between Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua. That's taking place in December. They're kicking off Matchroom Promotions, I should say, Matchroom Boxing. They're kicking off their press tour this week. This is a press tour you don't hear of very much. Look at these three locations. Usually a press tour is Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New York. Maybe London, maybe Mexico City, depending who's fighting. But it's pretty much here in the U.S. of A. Maybe they'll touch London. But check this out. Saudi Arabia on Wednesday. Then New York on Thursday. Then London on Friday. They're going to Saudi Arabia, then New York, then London. You figure it would be... Saudi Arabia, then London, then New York. I don't really get why they're doing it that way, but whatever. You think about the logistics of this fight, they ain't even going to damn Los Angeles because they know everybody in LA is going to be watching because that's where Andrew Ruiz fights and trains out of. They don't even need to go down there to get the Mexican-American fans to watch this fight. They, so they ain't even going to LA. They ain't even messing with it. They're just going to Saudi Arabia, New York, London. Those are the markets that they're tapping. I think that's interesting. Um... Yeah, New York is a strange one to me, but that's where the first fight was held. So actually, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Anyway, Matchroom will stream all those press events on their socials. So, you know, find them on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. They'll be streaming everything. You guys will be able to see that stuff live. One other note, Gervonta Tank Davis dumped his 130-pound title. He's moving up to lightweight. That's not huge news. But I mention it because we're going to be talking about somebody later in the show that a lot of people would like to see him fight. I personally don't think he is going to. All right, let's check out the chat real quick before we get into the fight review. And also, by the way, guys, um, I did a quick immediate reaction video after Lomachenko Campbell. Make sure you check that out. I'm sure most of you guys have already, but if you haven't, check it out. It's on my channel. Those of you who listen to this show on iTunes or Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever... Make sure you check out my YouTube channel to look at my immediate reaction video to Lomachenko Campbell. I really focus on scoring fights better because a lot of people, just I, I, some of those scorecards I saw, including some of the guys at ESPN Saturday night, not very good. Uh, let's see. Hamad asks, what is the point of Sky Sports right now? Well, they are basically the ESPN equivalent over there in the UK. So that is the point of them. Uh, let's see what else here we got a couple happy birthdays for Tiffany for my lady that's nice Prime TV says I don't like that Mexican Independence Day has no big fight 
Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. It does feel weird. And we'll be talking about that next week on the show. You know, I'll, I'll be talking about that because it, it does kind of feel weird that th- we should be talking about like a real big event. But I'll say this much. We're talking about a real big quarter. Instead of just talking about one big event around Mexican Independence Day weekend, man, we're talking about three straight months of kick-ass boxing. DAZN has the best schedule, but PBC's got a pretty good one too, and ESPN's going to have a couple interesting events. DAZN's going to crush both of them. But all in all, man, all the platforms are going to have some fun, interesting fights toward the end of the year. So you know what? I'd rather have a loaded quarter of boxing than a loaded weekend around Mexican Independence Day. That's just me. John Newman says, I'd love to see Tank challenge Loma or challenge himself at all for that matter. (laughs) Uh, But the likelihood of that fight happening is slim to none, as Don King would say. Renee Salcido says, greetings from El Paso, Texas. What's up? Appreciate you watching, man. And John Newman, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Salted says they did that to to press tour schedule to benefit AJ and mess with Ruiz Jr. Uh, I don't know, man. I I don't know if this press schedule benefits one guy over the other. I will say, you know what? You have a point there. Because if they were really trying to include Ruiz's people, they would make a stop in Los Angeles. So you're right. That press schedule... You know what, bro? That's a really good point, Sultan. That press schedule absolutely benefits Anthony Joshua more so than Andy Ruiz. But I'll say this much, and I've been saying this all along. It doesn't matter who has the titles and who won the first fight. The A-side here, the financial A-side, is still Anthony Joshua. And Eddie Hearn wants to bring those whales over to Saudi Arabia from London. And if he can get some New Yorkers to go over there that watched the first fight, he'd love that. So how many people are going to make the trip from LA to Saudi Arabia? That I don't know. That I don't know. That's a good point though, man. Really good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. John Uden asked, uh, does the World Boxing Super Series mandate drug testing within the tournament? Uh, you know, I, I do know that most, if not all, the fighters are doing drug testing. I know that um, Vada has tested several of the fighters in the tournament. I don't know if it's mandated through the World Boxing Super Series. I don't believe it is. But I know several of the participants have been using Vada. Um, guys, if you're not following Vada on Twitter, make sure you do. Because Margaret's really good about tweeting out which fighters are enrolled. As soon as a fighter or two fighters for their fight enroll in Vada, boom, she tweets it out. And as soon as results come back and everything's good to go, she tweets that out. So make sure you follow them because you'll see who's signed up or not. She's really good about that. CJ Duncan in the house with the super chat. He says, putting in that work on a holiday, hashtag respect. Thank you so much, CJ. I appreciate it, man. And I'll see you soon because I know you guys are coming out here to Atlanta. I was talking to Tiff about that last night. We'll definitely hang out, brother. Uh, let's see. There's a couple of cool rooftop bars downtown we'll check out that you guys will like. Brandon Attaway asks, hey, Mike, what do you think of the cesspool? Currently, that is boxing Twitter. <laughs> the likes. Some fans will go to discredit Loma in order to fit their narrative is crazy. He's a great fighter. Dude, it is 
It's lunacy. We can say that about almost every fighter, though, about almost every top star fighter. It goes in all directions. It truly does. It's just bizarre. And there are so many people on boxing Twitter. I just call it social because it's not just Twitter. It's Instagram. It's all of it. But Twitter is different and it's special. (laughs) Um, That follow promoters, man. Like they want to fight for the promoter over... Like I, I get a fan fighting fiercely for their favorite fighter. But now they're backing promoters. You see a lot of people that want the zone to fail. It's just bizarre. I don't understand it. I just don't get it, man. If you are a fight fan, and again, I don't work for the zone. I do not get any, I don't get a penny, okay, from ESPN, the zone, any of these guys. I get paid by Ring Magazine. That's who pays me. I get paid by Boxing Monthly. That's who pays me. If I do a guest appearance on a show or a radio spot or something, I get a little bit of money from that. That's it. I don't get paid by the network. So it doesn't benefit me in any way to tell you guys this network's better than the other. You pretty much know that throughout the year, I'm like, ah, PBC's crushing it on Fox right now. I might say that at one time of the year, and then later in the year, I might be like, PBC on Fox sucks right now. DAZN's kicking ass right now. That's the way it goes in boxing, right? But you try to look at it over an entire calendar year. Who's being more consistent? Who's giving you the most value for your buck? You guys saw that one video I did comparing the networks. I, I, you know that I think I did it, yeah, halfway through the year, comparing all the networks and who's charging you what, which fights you're getting, how much it's costing you, and I will finish that. I'll do it after the third quarter. I'll definitely do it at the end of the year to show you guys who in 2019 gave you the most value. I think you know what the answer is going to be, though, man. I just I don't get some of the hate. It's really really weird. CN says that's why I left Twitter. A lot of deluded people with agendas. I hear you, man. Look. Guys, if I, if I wasn't in this boxing business, if I wasn't a part of the biz, I probably wouldn't be on Twitter. I know I wouldn't be on Twitter. And I probably wouldn't even be on Facebook. I use Facebook Messenger to chat with some of my friends and family because I've lived in so many different cities. I've made friends in so many different parts of the country, different parts of the world. That's how I chat with you guys, through like the Messenger or through Twitter. But man, if, if I wasn't in, uh, in the business and I didn't have to tweet about fights and shit, man, I'd stay off of Twitter. It's so negative. And man, we got this election coming next year. Holy shit. I may just delete my Facebook or something during that election. It, it just gets nasty. On that note, let's review last week's fights. Uh, Saturday, August 31st. Man, it's already freaking September. Big upset. Big upset, actually, in Australia. Michael Zarafa, TKO9 win over Jeff Horn. Now, remember, this was a middleweight fight. And guys, size matters. Zarafa's been fighting at like 154, 160, I think, for the bulk of his career. He's, he's been at the heavier weights. And you got to remember, man, Jeff Horn really fought his whole career at welterweight. He got that decision over Pacquiao. He, got, he lost badly to Crawford. Then after that, he goes up to 154, well, technically 155, fought Anthony Mundine, won that fight, and then moves up to middleweight. He moved up two weight classes. I don't know why. Didn't benefit him. But Zarafa, more, more experience at 160. He fought Peter Quillen back in 2015. He, w- he was knocked out in that fight, but he had five rounds with Peter Quillen, some other decent fighters. Just a bigger, naturally stronger guy. And he stops Jeff Horn, who was trying to build to a big fight. 
Now his career is at the crossroads. He's lost two of his last three. Oh, we got a super chat from AAPE Trey. Uh, man, how do I say that? You got to help me out with that, brother. Thank you for the super chat. He says, favorite podcast. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me that you guys are tuning in on a holiday. I'm doing this work on a holiday, but you guys are watching and tuning in and chatting with me on a holiday. So we're sharing this together, and that makes me feel really good. It's a special thing. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for the super chat, brother. Um, So, yeah, I don't know what Jeff Horn's going to do from here, but really, he's not a freaking middleweight. Neither him or Zarafa or even a top 20 middleweight. At 154, that's a pretty loaded division. Neither one of these guys is a top 10 at 154. So this was, I just don't understand what the hell Jeff Horn was doing here. If he had fought a 154-pounder, maybe he wins that fight and it sets him up for, because I think, man, they were targeting, I even heard them talking about like Ryota Murata over in Japan, which you got to think, Australia, the proximity to Japan, that could have been marketable. But uh, yeah, it's all upside down right now. All right, let's come back here to the States real quick. Minneapolis Armory, PBC on Fox. Irizlandi Lara destroyed Canelo Alvarez's brother, wins the vacant WBA regular junior middleweight title. How the hell this was for any version of the WBA title is beyond me, but the WBA, what does it stand for again? Will belt anything, or we be assholes. How about that? Yeah, they're just bags of shit over there that want bags of money. Anyway, Lara TKO2 win for Alvarez. Uh, this was, I think, his second fight outside of Mexico. He came in overweight, and it wasn't just by a pound. He was like four or five pounds overweight. It was insane that this was for a title. I don't get Alvarez's record, 28, 8, and 3. And I don't make too much about losses and stuff like that. You guys know that. It all depends who you lose to. But Alvarez is not on the level for, for title contention. He's, he's not that level of fighter. He, he's a B-level, gatekeeper-level fighter. And you saw what Lauer did with them. Absolutely destroyed him. So that was it here in the States. Over in London, O2 Arena. Top rank and matchroom. Grandpa Bob and Cousin Eddie working together. ESPN Plus here in the States. Sky Box Office over there in the UK. And it was Vasily Lomachenko scoring a unanimous decision win over Luke Campbell, unifying the WBC, WBA, WBO lightweight titles. There's only one title left, the IBF. And that right now is in the hands of Richard Comey. He's going to fight Teofimo Lopez later this year, fourth quarter. What do I keep talking about? It's freaking loaded. And uh, the winner of that fight will fight Vasily Lomachenko if there's no injuries, no no. Nothing that gets in the way. Uh, it's it's gonna, supposed to be around Super Bowl week. So that's going to be fun. So before I get into the main event, let's talk a little bit about the undercard. And I, I got it. I'm going to talk about the commentary a little bit because it just, I'm noticing some things with the ESPN commentary. And I like some of the guys that work at ESPN. You guys know one of my best friends in the world, Steve Kim, love him like a brother. He works over there at ESPN. Uh, Bernardo Asuno, who's an awesome guy, he works over at ESPN. Uh, just several awesome people. I like Joe Tessitore. I like Tim Bradley. Some awesome people. But some of the commentary is just getting bad, man. And not, it's almost like they're trying too hard to make things seem more competitive or explosive or, or dramatic. 
I'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about this co-main. Alexander Povetkin wins a unanimous decision over Huey Fury. 117-111 three times. Now look, I thought this was a close fight. I thought this was a 115-113 kind of fight. I can't believe the scorecards were that wide. But I also can't believe they were that wide in favor of Povetkin. Those of you who follow me on Twitter, you know we were kind of watching this fight together on Twitter and I was tweeting about it. I thought Huey Fury was going to win. Canada Chris says, that fight sucked. Yeah, I probably don't even need to review it, Canada Chris. You pretty much said it in <laughs> three, three words. But, uh, man, Huey Fury never once stepped on the gas pedal. He could have won this fight. He really could have. And you can make an argument that he maybe deserved this decision. He had lost to Pulev, clearly. He had lost to Parker, clearly, before this. He does not like fighting fighters with last names that begin with the letter P. He just does not do well against them. Because it was Parker, Pulev, and now it's Povetkin. This was a close fight. I wouldn't have been mad if Huey Fury got the decision. I really wouldn't have. And that's what I thought was going to happen. None of the judges were from the UK, but let's be honest here. This was a matchroom card, and... Huey Fury is the matchroom fighter. He's the younger guy, right? Uh, Alexander Povetkin's lost a few. He's 40 years old right now. He's clearly lost a step. He's not the same guy. He's on his way out. Generally speaking, in this sort of situation, if there's close rounds, it goes to the guy like Huey Fury. Not what, not what happened, man. These guys had it. What, man, nine rounds to three for Povetkin. I'm not sure that's the fight I saw, but it was close and competitive. But for Huey Fury... This was your chance, dude. You got a 40-year-old fighter well past his best. You're like five or six inches taller than this guy. He's coming off a loss, coming off one of the longest layoffs of his career. He's clearly physically not the same guy he once was. There's some speed off the fastball, if you will. And this guy was all fastball back in his heyday. And it's right there for you. And you just never, you just feel like, at the end of this fight, Huey Fury could have ran five miles. He could have ran a 5K or whatever and would have been all right. You look at Povetkin, he probably couldn't have run five miles after the fight. He was freaking exhausted. He let it hang out for what he can at this age. But uh, Rene Salcido says, Fury is way overrated. I agree with you. Look, I've never been impressed by Huey Fury. I never have. I've heard from a bunch of people over in the UK that this was a good camp for him. He was taking this real serious. He was in real good shape. And uh, he, he was going to look real good. He didn't. He showed some improvements from the Pulev and Parker fights, but not many. And he never stepped on it, man. Man, it, it, this is your chance, dude, on this big stage. And there was how many thousands? There was tens of thousands of fans there at the O2 for this big event. Lomachenko making his professional London debut. And you stink the joint out. You just, man, you got to empty the tank. You should look like you're exhausted after the end of the 12 rounds. Like you left it all out there and you didn't. So I got no problem with Povetkin getting this decision. Because here's what's going to happen now. Povetkin is still a top 10 heavyweight. He's kind of a gatekeeper at this point. He's kind of become that level guy because of his age. If you beat Povetkin at this stage, you're a top heavyweight. If you lose to him, you're not in the top 10. That's where Povetkin is right now. Huey Fury, nowhere near the top 10 in my opinion. Top 20, 
Sure, top 20. You want to put like a prospect like a Daniel Dubois or somebody like that in there against him? You want to put Joe Joyce in there against him? Sure, man, let's see that. That'll be fun. F.A. Ajagba, if something like that could be worked out, sure, I'd like to see that. That'd be fun. At this stage, that's the kind of fighter he's at, he, the kind of level he's at right now. There's nothing else there. For Povetkin, though, this was actually, I want to say it was like for a minor WBA regional kind of title. He just did turn 40. It was either today or yesterday. And um, does he want another, another title shot? I, I guess so. I guess that's why he continues to fight. He doesn't need the money. He's loaded. He's, gonna, he's got FU money back in Russia. But he's still, I think, ranked pretty highly with the WBA. The WBA does 8,000 different titles per division. So if he wants to line himself up for the interim or regular or some kind of title like that with the WBA, I guess he could. Canada Chris asks, is Povetkin mobbed up? In a word, yes. Um, he, he has friends. He's taken care of well. He, he's going to be just fine. Anyway, of all people to call out, Alexander Povetkin called out Tyson Fury after this fight, after just beating Hubie Fury. So, I don't know, how does that fight go? For my money, at this stage, I don't, I'm still not sure Povetkin beat Hubie Fury Saturday, and Tyson is so much better. Taller, longer, stronger, actually hits harder than Hubie, way better defensively, harder to hit. I think Tyson Fury would box the shit out of Povetkin at this stage. And other than a couple of looping right hands he might be able to sneak in, I'm just not interested in that fight. But who knows, man? Who knows what's going to happen with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? By the way, where's Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz? Are they going to fight this year or not? What's up with that? Is Deontay, is there, is there a medical issue with Ortiz that they're keeping under wraps that they're not telling us about? Is there something going on there where they don't want to do that rematch? to secure the rematch with Tyson Fury? Or is there something else going on where they're going to walk away from the rematch with Tyson Fury and look in another direction? Something's going on right there with Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz. Something ain't right. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, I get accused of criticizing Uncle Al and PBC a lot. This is an example. The Deontay Wilder-Luis Ortiz fight that was softly announced months ago, Right? It's not official yet. It's not signed. Is We don't know. Showtime, Fox, yep, not on the schedule. So what the hell? And they're not saying anything to anybody. They're not talking to anybody in the media, not even guys like me, but their friends like, like Mike Coppinger. He's really good friends with the PBC guys. They're not even telling him. You know, They're, they're not telling anybody what's going on with Luis Ortiz and that whole situation. Meanwhile, we've got all these other fights lined up, scheduled, on the zone, on ESPN, ESPN Plus. So what are they doing on Fox? What the hell are they doing with Wilder and Ortiz? I don't know, man. Anyway, a little bit of a rant there. Sorry. Also on this card, we had some some shadiness. Flyweight title fight. Charlie Edwards from right there in the UK fighting Mexican Julio Cesar Martinez in his first bout outside Mexico. Didn't quite know what to expect from him. Well, guess what? That little dude's legit. And he was beating the shit out of Edwards. Really, really. First round was competitive and close. But from the second round on, he was tapping Edwards' ass, honestly. And he dropped Edwards with a barrage. Good body work. Edwards is on the ground. 
wincing in pain on his knees. A full second, second and a half later, Edwards nails him. It wasn't like a reaction shot where sometimes someone drops and you're already halfway punching, right? And you kind of land a shot, you know. It wasn't even in a fluid combination. This dude pulled his, I think it was his left hand, pulled his left hand back, reaches all the way back. You see this look on his face and pounds Edwards right in the side. And Edwards after that, Edwards was not acting. That shit had to hurt. You're on the ground. You're not tightened up. You're not preparing for a shot. Just the angle that shot was landed with at, that shit had to hurt. So Edwards rolls over. He's in pain. Somehow the referee, I don't know what, how, what the hell drug the referee was on. Maybe he's one of these people that's on all these antidepressants and he's just la, 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 out of it or some shit. But uh, didn't know what the hell was going on. Didn't see it. So he calls the fight a knockout. Third round knockout win for Martinez. Well, everybody sees on the Jumbotron there at the O2 Arena, the replay. And over and over and over, you're seeing this dude purposely. It was not accidental. People are saying, oh, it was in the moment. Dude, watch the replay. Martinez winds his hand back, looks down a dude with a net, like mean mugs him, and bah, just sucker punches him right to the side. Anyway, WBC's there. And they were overseeing this event. It was a WBC-sanctioned fight, I should say. And so Mauricio Suleiman's there. And their officials, they need to have a talk with that ref because the WBC approved the officials for that fight. And their ref did not do a very good job. So Mauricio needs to go back and talk to that ref. But Mauricio Suleiman does the right thing. Steps in and says, you know what? We're going to rule this a no, con- no contest. Now, I'll give Suleiman credit there. And I bash the shit out of the WBC a lot. I got to add this, though. He, no, he said, look, it could have been a disqualification or a no contest. Mauricio said it looked like an accidental foul. So instead of doing a disqualification, we did a no contest. Had it been on purpose, we would have done a disqualification. I don't know, guys. You tell me what you think. Watch that replay. It looked pretty damn on purpose for me. It looked to me like Martinez was feeling himself Got a little rush of adrenaline. His dick got hard because he was just about to win his first world title. And he, went, he wanted to go in there and dig one, other sh- one more shot against that English boy in front of his hometown fans. So he could go back and brag about that. In that one second of youthful stupidity, and hey, we've all been there, he blew it. And if he wasn't a fighter from Mexico fighting for a belt that is a Mexican headquartered sanctioning organization with a Mexican president, I'm not so sure he walks away with a no contest. Me thinks if this was an American guy of a different demographic or from some other part of the world of a different demographic, probably a disqualification. I don't know. What do you guys think? That's probably what would have happened. Anyway, Edwards keeps his WBC flyaway title, but everybody knows... Martinez was whooping his ass and I don't know what adjustments he can make in a rematch it's not like this was in Mexico and Martinez had home crowd advantage man this was in London Edwards had the home crowd advantage he had the fans cheering for him and everything else and he didn't look good so if they're supposed to do a rematch that's what Mauricio said Uh, the KO3 win is now a no contest but 
What happens in the rematch? I got to heavily favor Martinez. So I'm very curious how that works out. And I'm sure, look, Martinez says the rematch should be in Mexico because I'm the champ now. But he needs to shut up. The rematch is probably going to happen in the UK, I, I think. I, there's just more money there for this fight. Maybe it happens in America, somewhere on neutral territory. Wherever it happens, Martinez is going to be heavily favored. Also on the undercard, a couple of prospects. One who looks really good, man. Uh, lightweight prospect Joe Cordina improves to 10-0 with a unanimous decision win. But Joshua Boazzi, light heavyweight prospect. KO7 win with a body shot improved to 12-0. Really looks good. Really good looking prospect, man. Um, guys, I see you have a few questions. I'll get to them in just a second. Let me just finish this uh, review and then I'll get to your questions. I see you have a few questions and I'll get to them. But anyway, if you haven't seen Joe, Joshua Buatzi fight yet, he's probably the best prospect right now at light heavyweight. Okay, real quick, main event. And again, I did a detailed video giving my immediate reaction, so I'm not going to talk about it too long. But... Can we stop talking about Vasily Lomachenko's loss to Orlando Salido as if that's sort of some sort of game plan of, about how to beat him? Never again will a fighter be able to cheat the way Orlando Salido did before that fight and during that fight and get away with it against Lomachenko. It ain't going to happen again. It's not going to happen. And that version of Loma is gone now. He's a fully grown professional prize fighter, and he would have not only beat Salido, but knocked him out. That's why Orlando Salido turned down career-high money and wanted to keep driving as an Uber driver down there. I think he lives in Arizona or New Mexico. I think it's Arizona. Uh, he's an Uber driver down there. He'd rather be driving his Uber than make life-changing, career-high money to do a rematch with Lomachenko because he knew he was going to get knocked the fuck out. Can we stop talking about that? The real truth is tall, rangy guys give Lomachenko problems. Look no further than this fight with Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell, much taller. We talked about this, right? Uh, five foot nine, I think he is, compared to Loma, who's five, 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 six. I don't care what they list him at. He ain't no taller than five, six and doesn't have long arms. Campbell's length, his height, and the way he uses his reach, his length, very, very good. And he gave Lomachenko issues early. The same way Jorge Linares did, who's 5'8", 70-inch reach. Uh, even Pedraza, who looked way better at 135 than he looked at 130, he also is about 5'8", 70-inch reach. For that division, these are tall, long guys. That is what gives Lomachenko problems. It's not short, stout guys who fight dirty on the inside or anything like that, or explosive little guys. That's not what gives Loma issues. Look at all his professional fights. Let go of the second, the, his second pro fight against Salido. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about once he's had titles and been a champion and been fighting at the elite world-class level as a pro. Look at all of his fights. It's that lightweight that he's having trouble which makes sense. He's in there against tall, rangy guys compared to him. He's getting hit way more at lightweight than he ever got hit at 130 or even at 126, including against Salido. Most of the punches he took against Salido were to his nutsack, his balls, okay? He's getting hit way more cleanly upstairs on the face, on the head, 
at 135. So Grandpa Bob, at the end of this fight, talked about, uh, look, we could go back to 130. We can go back to 126 right now if we really want to fight some of the best fighters out there. So I don't think they're set on staying at 135. And remember, they were talking at one point about moving up to 140. Man, I don't know about that. You know, if you can find short squat guys in those divisions, that's who Loma will match up better against. But some of these taller, rangier guys, man, some of those guys at 140, they're real big. They're way bigger than Luke Campbell, way bigger than, um, than Jorge Linares. They're going to give Lomachenko a lot of problems. So I mentioned this because earlier in the show, I talked about Gervonta Davis moving up to lightweight. Now, a lot of people are talking about Gervonta Davis like he is the biggest threat to Lomachenko. I completely disagree. Number one, who the hell is Gervonta Davis beat? And I know people look to the uh, Jorge Pedraza fight, Jose Pedraza fight, as some sort of benchmark because of the way Pedraza beat him versus the way Lomachenko beat him. Look, different fights, different styles. Pedraza was at 130. What did he do after that fight with Davis? He moved up to 135. He's looked much better at 35. So you can't judge Davis and Lomachenko just based off how they fought against one guy, especially if it's not in the same weight class on the same timetable. If you look at Davis, he's five foot five. Loma is probably a little taller than Tank Davis, 67 inch reach. So he probably has a little more reach than Loma, but not by much. Punch is hard for 130 pounds. Probably the hardest puncher in the 130-pound division right now. However, he's just moved up to 135. How does he punch at 135 against elite-level fighters? We don't know because he hasn't done it yet. Is he going to carry that power up? Now look, if he does, if 135, if he's more powerful and more explosive at 135, okay. Then, we, then that's a different discussion. But we don't know how he's going to look yet. We haven't seen him at 135, and we haven't seen him consistently against elite top-level opposition. He fought one guy, Pedraza, at 130. That was it. So I'm not convinced that Javante Davis is going to be this crazy uh, challenge for Lomachenko, right? And, he, and he's the guy that's going to dethrone him. I'm just not seeing that yet. If you look at the blueprint, quote-unquote, the guys who have given Loma issues, it's been tall, rangy guys that work with straight punches, long, straight punches. That's how Linares dropped him, with a nice straight right hand as he was coming in. Uh, Luke Campbell's a southpaw. He landed a couple straight left hands on him. So, Jonathan Davis really doesn't punch like that. He throws looping shots on the inside, and he doesn't have the best footwork on earth. He's an explosive guy, but Loma's footwork is crazy on another level compared to Tank Davis. And at 5'5", 67-inch reach, I just don't know if he's the package that's going to give Loma issues. He would represent one of the more younger and explosive opponents, though, for Lomachenko. So, of course, I'd invite the fight. I'd love to see it. But we all know that, look, Javante Davis and really his promoter, Floyd Mayweather, they have no interest in fighting any of the top guys. They've talked a bunch of shit. It's never happened, right? They were supposedly talking with Devin Haney. They were offered career-high money, career-high payday, life-changing money for Javante Davis, and turned it down. They, they said, oh, we don't want to fight on the zone. Leonard Ellaby gives this stupid reasoning. We don't want to fight on the zone because that's an app, and we want to fight on TV. Nobody has that app. 
What an idiotic thing to say. You're a prize fighter. You go for the money. You know, is, are you, because next year there'll be a situation that pops up and Leonard Ellaby will say, oh, we're doing this because we're prize fighters or we're going for the money. That's what we're supposed to do. He'll contradict himself. Don't fall for all the bullshit promoters say, guys. And they all do it. All of them do it, okay? But don't buy, don't buy this shit. I, I just think that Tank has no interest in fighting anybody legit. I, I just don't see it. Anyway, Richard Comey. Richard Comey, tall, rangy. I think he could give Loma issues. Teofimo Lopez is a little smaller than Comey, but he's a lot taller and longer than Gervonta Davis. So both Richard Comey and Teofimo Lopez, whoever wins that fight, I think gives Loma a tougher fight right now based on what we've seen than Tank Davis does. But I'd love to see him fight any three of those guys. So anyway... Uh, that's it for the review. As far as what's coming up this weekend, maybe there's a card Thursday, September 5th from LA that will be on ringtv.com. Uh, I've seen it on the schedule. Azat Hovanesian was going to fight Franklin Manzanilla, 12 rounds junior featherweights. It's not on box rec, but it's on the schedules I get. So I don't know. Some of these cards on Ring TV, they don't do a good job of promoting them and getting them out there, letting you know there's going to be fights because it's not always on the schedule. Anyway, uh, Sunday, September 7th. Oh, I'm sorry, Saturday, September 7th. In the Philippines, there is a strawweight title fight for the vacant IBF minimum weight or strawweight title. 105 pounds, tiny little dude, Sammy Salva and Padro Taduran. That's it, guys. That is it. All right, let's get to some questions. Run them up, guys. Run these questions up. We'll go through a few of these. And then um, I'm going to go eat dinner because I'm starving. Because I've been working my butt off all day in the yard. Let's see. What do we got here? Joshua Wilder. He says, Comey has a better chance than Tank to beat Loma, in my opinion. I agree. Um, footwork isn't that great for Comey. But I, I just... Body style. It just matters. John Newman says, Davis is shorter and with a one centimeter reach advantage over Lomachenko. Tank has a puncher's chance to beat Loma. I agree. He also says, Comey's footwork isn't good enough to challenge Loma for more than a round. I don't know about that. Height, strength, those things matter. Oh, Fred Me Stats with the Super Chat. Thank you very, very much. Pledges the Super Chat and says, just appreciation for your time. Well, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Muscle Memory says, good review. Appreciate that. Canada Chris says, who invented pensy weight? What is pensy weight, bro? I don't know what that is. There are a few of you guys. I'm just looking here in the chat. I, I think most of you guys agree with me that uh, Tank doesn't beat Lomachenko. Look, I'm not saying he doesn't have a chance. Of course he has a chance. He could strike lightning. He could, he could land something. I just think that Lomachenko is going to see everything coming. There's, you got to think, okay, with, watch the Luke Campbell fight again. Watch the first few rounds. It took Loma a few rounds to figure out how to get inside. It really took him a few rounds to, to, to just learn how to do that. Against a shorter guy, man, he's going to counterpunch the shit out of Tank. And Tank's going to be hitting a lot of air. And he's going to tire out. That's just what I see happening. We got another super chat from John Uden. Thank you very, very much, John. I appreciate it, brother. 
He says, why didn't Manny ever look to avenge the horn loss? Great question, man. Um, so that a lot of that came down to promotional issues. I think at one point um, they were looking at doing a rematch, but Manny had senatorial things going on. The timeline wasn't right for him. And then there was another time they were looking at doing it where Horn didn't want to do it. And then eventually what happened is Pacquiao left top rank and went over to PBC. And PBC is not going to put him in there against Jeff Horn again because they want to put Pacquiao in against their own guys. That's why they brought him over there. So really, it just came out to timing and um, promotional issues. But look, I think Pacquiao beat Jeff Horn. I think he would have beat him more decisively in the rematch. I think there was that one round in that fight where there's a lot of refs who would have maybe stopped the fight at that point. I, I'm glad the ref didn't. And I know Jeff Horn's really glad he didn't. But yeah, it's, it's odd that the rematch never happened. And if you're Jeff Horn, you know, he never really called it out. He talked about wanting to fight Terrence Crawford again and stuff like that. He should have been calling Pacquiao out. Maybe, yeah, that was another thing too. At one point, they were talking about it and Horn didn't want to go back down and wait. Like, so it just, it's just one of those things that just didn't work out, man, which is kind of odd. It was just this weird one-off in the career of Manny Pacquiao. And he's had a couple of those. Just off nights where the, the story was just odd. That first fight against Timothy Bradley, which everyone thinks he won, but he lost on the cards and nobody could figure out why. Uh, there's just been a few oddities in the career of Manny Pacquiao, but that's part of what makes him kind of like so dramatic and exciting and interesting and why people will be talking about him for decades. Chris Berger with the Super Chat. Thank you very, very much, Chris. He says, great content again. Where can I get an MOB t-shirt? All right, brother, um, email me, MonteroOnBoxing at gmail.com and uh, let me know your size. I think right now we're sold out of extra larges. So I just have larges and double extra larges. I'm sold out of everything else. And we do have some women's sizes if, you know, your girl wants to get one. So, um, yeah, dude, email me, MonteroUnboxing at gmail.com. But like I said, right now it's larges or double XLs. Everything else we're sold out of. I got to re-up my order. But, uh, man, we sold everything else. I had from small all the way up to, like, triple X. And I've Canada Chris says I'm 4X. Dude, that, I'd have to special order that. Email me, bro. I can order that. Um, but yeah, get, you know, email me MonteroUnboxing at gmail.com and we'll talk about it from there. I think, um, I think when we charge for it, uh, we charge like 20 bucks that includes the shipping and all that, but we'll do like two for, or maybe it's, I got to look at the prices. I know if you get two of them, we discount it. If you're not in America, I got to charge a little bit more for shipping, but it's either 15 or 20 bucks. Email me and I'll let you know. And again, thank you for the super chat. Rumble, young man, Rumble says, LA, baby. You having to meet up the day before or the day of the fight? Jose, uh, we'll meet up. We'll definitely meet up before the fight, man. Because I'll, I'll be there all fight week. And just depending on how the schedule goes with some of the things I got to work out. Uh, I might be doing some things for Ring TV while I'm there. I'm not 100% sure yet. But we'll definitely get up, man. Especially if you're staying downtown. There's a bunch of bars. So we'll meet up. It's going to be great. Canada Chris asking, where is Chocolatito? Donde es Chocolatito? No sé. I don't know. I don't know where the hell he's at. I know um, 
I don't, I'm not, I don't, don't particularly want to see him fight again. I just don't. I think he took a lot of punishment moving up in weight. And I know that there were visa issues and things like that. There were injuries. So there were some issues keeping him from coming up here to fight when they had something scheduled. But I'm glad it didn't work out because uh, he took a lot of punishment. And that, that knockout loss, John Newman says, in Nicaragua living like a boss. Yeah, that. He is living like a boss down there. But um, that knockout to rugby side that I saw oh, in L.A., man, it was one of the last card, one of the last big cards I covered out there. Whew, that was just brutal, man. Brutal. I just, man, I just don't want to see that shit again. James Tucker says, FYI, Mike ships to Canada. James knows what's up. <laughs> you guys are funny. Uh, Usyk's opponent, Biggie Malls. <laughs> I love that name. Uh, Usyk's opponent, it's probably going to be this kickboxer dude. I can't even think of his name. Guys, they've had a lot of trouble getting an opponent. They've, they've given offers to several different guys, and they've been turned down. They're really having trouble getting an opponent for Usyk. But there's this one kickboxer guy who I think has a preliminary fight coming up, and should he win it? Tyrone Spong, that's his name. MB just said Tyrone Spong. It's probably going to be him. But look, I've said it's probably going to be a few different guys now. So, um, but yeah, dude, he, uh, he, he's having trouble finding a guy that will get in there and fight him. Whoever they get in there, it's going to be last minute. And it's probably not going to be a name that you guys like. Sorry. Wow, Nurkin Akteyev. Nur- Nurkin Akteyev. I hope I'm getting that name right with the super chat. coming. I think it says from Hong Kong, bro. Are you super chat and watching from Hong Kong? Thank you very, very much, man. I appreciate that so much. And I hope I got your name right. He says, hi, Michael. Uh, When do you expect Spence Crawford happens? Dude, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I'm starting to really, really doubt it happens. You see, well, you can't see right here because the light is on this. uh, I did an article this year, earlier this year in Ring Magazine called The Welterweight instead of weight like w-e-i-g-h-t it was w-a-i-t welter weight you can't see because the light's shining on it but i talked about that fight it'd be a historical welterweight fight it would be this generation's hearns leonard it really would i don't know if it happens and if it does happen it's not going to be at 147 because i think errol spence will not be able to make 147 much longer and at some point He's going to have to move to 154. And if Crawford really wants that fight, he's going to have to follow him to 154. And he does not belong in that division. He, he's not even a big welterweight. He's really a, like a 140-er who, who's bulked up a little bit. But Crawford could probably make 140 if he really tried right now. He's comfortable at 47, but at man, 54. So maybe two years from now. Maybe two years from now. So maybe 2021. Somewhere around there, Spence will be at 154. The current crop at 154 will be at 160. So Spence won't have to fight those guys. And uh, he's going to start winning titles in that division. And Crawford's going to have to follow him up to that weight. And I just think by then, with Spence's youth, he'll, he'll be in his prime. Crawford will be past his prime. And at the weight, it's going to be at 154. I'm just, Spence is going to win that fight. If it happens then, if it happens today at 147, I think Crawford wins that fight by decision. 
But when it finally does happen, 2021, something like that, yeah, bro, it's probably going to be at 154, and Spence is probably going to be – it's going to be a, the, the perfect timing and wait for Spence, and he's, he's going to win that fight. That's, that's how I see it happening, just business of boxing. You know, that's just how I see it happening. Canada Chris says, Usyk versus Spong, really? That's what a lot of people are saying. But, dude, they've tried to get opponents – it just hasn't worked, man. It just hasn't worked. Tony Ayo says, Jeff Horn lost to a male stripper. Yes, a bigger, stronger male stripper who can punch pretty good. Yep. Knowledge Son says, nobody beating Spence until he slows down. Yeah, but I'll tell you something, man. Sean Porter is taking this fight seriously. and He's going to give Spence his toughest challenge to date of his entire pro career. Do not sleep on that matchup, guys. Spence Porter is going to be a fun fight, and Porter is going to push him more than any other opponent has pushed Spence thus far. It's why I'm so interested in that fight. Biggie Malls asks, what's the white paper over your Triple G article? Oh, that's not a paper. This thing you're seeing right here? So I got two lights over here. They call them soft boxes, and that's shining on, and you're just seeing that reflection. Oh, we got a super chat from undefeated prospect Levante Early out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He says, ready for the 21st. Hope to see you soon, big dog. Guys, Levante is the fighter I've been telling you about. Prospect, 140-pound prospect out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He's got a fight coming up. I would have been there. I would have been there, and I probably would have been uh, maybe streaming it for you guys on my channel or doing some commentary for him, but I'll be in L.A. for Spence Porter. But uh, Levante, man, I appreciate it, number one, brother. And uh, I'm going to be up there soon. I'll be there the week after Spence Porter because my sister's getting married. So I'll be up there. And while I'm up there, I'll come try to stop by the gym and say hi, brother. But, uh, man, I wish I could be there on the 21st, man. I'll definitely tell some of my peeps up there in Charlotte about it and try to get you some fans out there, man. But, uh, guys, Levante Early, that is a name you're going to be hearing from. It's a name you're going to be hearing from. I'm telling you, this kid's got something. And I think he can actually start making a scene there in Charlotte, North Carolina, where there really is no boxing scene. I think he's the best fighter to come out of that area. Seriously. Appreciate it, Levante. Hope you're having a good holiday, brother. All right. James Tucker says, Porter's aggression may give Spence fits. Absolutely. And that's why I want to see it. That's why I want to see it. Porter's been uh, sparring Benavidez. David Benavidez. 168-pound beast David Benavidez. So he's taking this shit seriously. He's going to give Spence a hell of a fight. I'm telling you. Hamed says Seth Mitchell might be fighting Deontay Wilder. Is Seth Mitchell still fighting? That wouldn't end well for him. (laughs) That would not end well for him at all. Uh, Tony Yeo says, don't want Ugas Porter 2. I guess you're asking about Ugas Porter rematch. Look, Spence is probably going to beat... Oh, you're being sarcastic. Okay, I was going to say. Dude, yeah, come on, man. You must not like Seth Mitchell. Holy shit. Uh, Ugas Porter... Look, if Porter loses to Spence, then maybe we'll get the rematch between Ugas and Porter, which I think Ugas would certainly welcome. And I think we all would too. Their first fight was pretty good. All right, guys, that's it for this week, man. I know it's a a slow weekend, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because we got a loaded schedule coming up. It's going to be great. And we're going to be doing so many fun shows toward the 
uh, end of the year, man. I can't wait. It's finally going to cool down here in Atlanta. So look, make sure you smash the like button. Make sure you follow Levante Early on Instagram. Make sure you follow him on Instagram. He has a great Instagram. Post a lot of stuff up there. Watch that kid's journey as he grows. Levante Early. Check him out on Instagram. Follow him. And also, give Tiffany happy birthday wishes this Friday. All right? Those are your fees for this week. I'll see you next week. Let me know Monday or Thursday next week when you'd rather do it. All right? I'll see you at the fights. Peace.